0: This is the one with Lady Stomp Stomp Barney the Not-A-Dinosaur A face-off in
1: a restaurant Cirque du Soleil Samurais Ego Maniac who are to the max And one final callback It's called <gasps> Deep
0: Breath Here, Here we go, go.
2: Whistle on our epic phrase. All through time and all through space. Whistle, being and angels now.
0: Dalek, Cyber, Zood and wow!
2: Counting Sonic's
0: rating apps. From the poor to the sublime.
2: Echoes and to Whittaker. Let's agree, it's about time. Who, who
1: back when? Reviewing on you, who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please.
2: Rose and Donna. Amy Pond.
1: Rory Clara. And beyond. Join us on this to see what other choice could there be. be? But who
2: back when? who back when
0: ladies and gentlemen welcome to another epoch commencing episode of who back when a doctor who podcast or dog past i'm drew back when i'm one of three co-hosts today for episode n105 deep breath and those of you who are mathematically blessed in the pudding brain department will realize that there are two other co-hosts one of them is sat opposite me and her name is it's marie yes it is well remembered (laughs) thanks (laughs) to my right is the indefatigable leon hello there hooray that's it (laughs) (laughs) intro over welcome one welcome all marvelous i'm just sat here dumbfounded we're one doctor behind
1: (gasps) and it's peter freaking capaldi oh my goodness that's true. We are catching up with present-day New You know, for a while there, you almost had me convinced that it would never happen, but now, very clearly, it is happening, and you are admitting to it yourself. You, the grand sceptic.
0: Yes. I, I mean, I, I don't think 2025 is still that far off in terms of an estimate, but whatever. Fine. We're dilating in, in a bad way. Was this episode everything you remembered it to be? Way more than I remembered. Not just in terms of running time, but... Yeah,
2: it's a very long episode.
0: The longest... Really? Non-special Special? episode, yeah. yeah. Longest mm. run-of-the-mill episode. Indeed, Rooney.
1: Time for us to synopsize. Slubify and summarize. So take a view and, and grab a brief. And listen to this overview. This free-for-all we like to call a a of who.
0: By a chunk of who. The grimy gawkers of eighteen nineties London are aghast to see a dinosaur stumbling its way past the Palace of Westminster. But rather than heading into one of the Lord's bars as customary, it coughs from its throat a curious blue egg, and from this egg hatches the newly regenerated Twelfth Doctor, yet to regather most of his marbles.
2: The Paternoster gang once again take the case, but what seems a simple matter of mind-smiting Doc back to health is soon interrupted by the Lonely Lizard's apparently spontaneous combustion in the plentifully wet waters of the Thames, and Doc's disappearance into the night after the one witness with brain power more potent than a pudding's. Clara, meanwhile, can't
1: fathom why her former colleague is suddenly 20,000 years older. Things look bleak, as Madame Vastra must alternate between quick bouts of sleuthing and mentoring on the merits of unclouded vision. Clara must recognise the Doctor for who he really is. And Doc must deal with the seditious eyebrows and furious mirrors if the half-faced man is to see justice. b over, you are welcome.
0: Eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> I've got an opening question. Ooh. Let's hear it. Given last week's chat, would you put this in Smith's top three episodes?
1: <laughs> oh, I love it. No. Succinct. <laughs> Leon, your turn. No, nor I, but I like that you brought that up because I'd completely forgotten that we get one more Smith appearance in this.
2: It was very well used as well. It
1: like really it was, was, Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, so sad, so lovely, and it bridges these two Doctors yeah. and those two seasons and those two episodes. Oh, my
2: goodness. Yeah, well done. Moffat does love to go back to the well one last time. for One final dip. I thought we decided it wasn't going to be Matt Smith's last episode anyway. He's definitely going to keep going back.
0: I don't know. I mean, they persuaded him to record this little segment while he was on set, but now he's a pretty big shot. Ooh.
1: Mm-hmm. He'd do it. He'd do it just like Benedict Cumberbatch would He'd come back and do even more Sherlock, even though he's a... Marvel superhero now.
0: Mm. That's a bit of a tangent, but I just wondered how likely he was to sort of still be enveloped or ensconced in the cozy world of Doctor Who rather than be like, yeah, that was something I did in my 20s.
2: But these people haven't been doing conventions ever since they were in it. They probably, like, in 20, 30 years' time, he'll start being nostalgic for that era and he might then start going to. Convention. Yeah, or if his career starts to tank, yeah. then well, he'll absolutely oh, do it. I'm, oh. just, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> cynical
1: (laughs) it happens to the best of us he happens to be a really good actor i don't think that's going to happen to him but it's possible that at a certain point the hubris is going to wear off
2: i think if amy and rory can be convinced to go to a convention then he'd go for the reunion
1: i see rory maybe making more appearances than amy (gasps) i'm sorry
2: well she's got a
0: stateside profile now. yeah
1: exactly yeah
0: but wait hang on let's focus on capaldi yeah okay (laughs) yeah sorry (laughs) Well, did Smith appearing take
1: any of the limelight away from Capaldi? Or this is still the Capaldi show pretty safely, right? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. But Matt Smith's appearance cemented Capaldi's role as the Doctor. It wasn't until Capaldi says something to the effect of, that was me, I remember making that call, that I went, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, no, you are the same guy. It's not just a completely new individual.
0: Yeah, and that's what does the trick for Clara. She says, thank you for phoning, and that's what... Allows her to cast off all her reservations and give him a hug.
2: And then they walk off yeah. into the sunset happily ever after. Yeah.
0: It's nice. End of episode. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, not end of episode, but we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. Oh.
2: Oh, yes, of course seeing as we're talking about Clara and her acceptance of Capaldi's doctor did that not bother anybody else it really bothered me how of all the companions she's the one who's jumped into his time stream and seen every different face of his and for a second I was like oh maybe maybe she doesn't remember it she splintered off into a billion different people maybe this Clara doesn't have any memory of it but there, there was a conversation when she saw John Hurt that this is a new doctor I haven't seen before I know all of your faces and this is not you so clara's aware that he's been past men and she's interacted with them all yeah she's been in the
0: company of her and and smith in the art gallery exactly
2: why does it take her so long why is it so hard for her to come to terms with him
0: yeah she loved captain grumpy
2: she should yeah
0: Uh, i mean the previous captain Grumpy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) no you're right you're right yeah Yeah, she could Uh, see his young eyes i know i can think of a couple of reasons Okay, to start with, she didn't see Capaldi when she jumped into the time stream, right? She won't have seen him because that's a version of the Doctor that didn't get extra regenerations through the crack. Mm. So maybe there's just the shock of, but no, I thought I knew every version of you Mm. across millennia. But but
2: it would be nice if that was mentioned
1: That's true. Okay, it doesn't get name-checked, or it doesn't get mentioned. You're right. Yeah, Yeah, she is better prepared than any previous companion
0: for exactly this.
1: Yeah. But then, does this episode hint at some form of romantic spark between those two that we have not hitherto seen? Because we get Capaldi saying, I'm not your boyfriend, not your mistake, my mistake.
2: Which is the other, which was going to be my second beef with this episode. Oh, right, okay. To be fair, yeah.
0: There is a precedent for Smith acting this way because do you remember at the end of a previous episode he said in a skirt that's just a little bit too tight yeah oh yeah Yeah. yeah, oh I didn't like that either nightmare in silver I think And we thought at the time, perhaps that was Mr. Clever being a dirty old perv mm. from within the Doctor and something extraneous, but perhaps he was just amplifying something that was more innocently within the Doctor.
1: That scene that we get of him greeting her in the TARDIS and he's naked, you know, before heading into the papal mainframe, mm. he's obscured behind the TARDIS console. We don't know. He had a raging boner behind that thing. <laughs> Okay, maybe not. But okay, so, I mean, that is, I think... Uh, when it's the doctor, reason. it's a raging pretzel. Oh yeah, of course. Or, or uh, at least a duo. But the... So, the <laughs> so I think that is... That's the bigger argument for me. That's... Yeah she misses Matt Smith because now we've retconned or the BBC has sort of retconned this relationship between the two. And she misses Matt Smith partly because actually it turns out she
2: kind of loved him. So the last conversation we had about Clara was to Drew's initial theory that she was manipulated to be whatever the episode needed. And I was saying, no, 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 she's not. She's brilliant. I love Clara. However, this episode really feels like they have just completely changed her to be what the episode needs. And what the episode needs is someone to help the audience accept Capaldi as a new doctor. And so we've always, whenever there's been a transition between doctors and we've kept the same companion, they always have to be taken along for the ride and they reject him and then and he wins them over and then by the end they're all sick. And they've forced it on Clara so that we can go through that journey with her, it feels, and it just feels so forced. And then with the addition of this, like the boyfriend thing, and the and, oh God, and they throw in this, my pinup is what, Marcus Aurelius? Yeah. <wh-> why why is this necessary is that anybody's pinup i don't know (laughs) like the
1: man was ripped
2: (laughs) (laughs) but they've made this really awkward marcus aurelius mr july (laughs) (laughs) well marcus aurelius
0: did appear not physically but in quote form at the very beginning of the 50th that has been set up
2: okay but it just it feels like to me Mm. they've Shoehorned in. I fancy older men. Oh look, now the doctor's older. We can continue this slightly flirty, like a little bit will they, won't they? Thing. We don't have to write that out because he's now old. We've now established that Clara fancies old men, and it just feels really forced. I didn't get that. I, I was,
0: didn't get that. Either. I was really relieved that we didn't get that line that we know is coming at some point early this series that you alluded to. Yes, like uh, maybe <laughs> I could be persuaded to flirt with some incredibly ancient. De- Dude, I thought that this episode was much the better for it. I thought, not knowing that it's coming, seeing this the first time around, you would see it differently back then. So I don't
2: think I did. I think really? I hated it the first time around as well. Really? Yeah. Did you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think this is... we hated it? Hated the episode or hated no, that no, element no. of Clara? That this this How they've written Clara oh, I see. in this episode. It just doesn't feel like it fits with everything else that has been building up to this point. Oh, interestingly, I yeah. really liked this aspect of Clara.
1: What I didn't like about it was how cool she is about potentially having been abandoned in 1890s London. yeah she's lost her entire life at that point anyone would panic (laughs) like oh no i I really i'm very uh, sad i'm shocked that my friend has turned into a stranger and has now disappeared but holy smokes i'm stuck in 1890 (laughs) what am i gonna do did you see that class at cold hill school she would otherwise have to go back to she's relieved (laughs) including the girl who goes to the moon yeah courtney Courtney. Nice.
0: Yeah. She's like, well, this was a blessing in disguise. This cloud is basically all silver lining. (laughs) Much like Capaldi's hair. Nice. And that's something else, actually. Do you think Capaldi was prematurely aged just a little this episode? Because if you go on whobackwhen.com, as I did earlier today, to listen to Leon and JD tangentially address this episode many (laughs) years ago. B008. Have a listen. Yeah, I think B 7 or maybe it's B one A previous bonus episode, anyway, is about Capaldi's reveal on the prime oh, time yeah. half have an no hour idea special. Who he was. And his hair there is not grey. It's not not grey, but it is definitely more of a distinct colour which he may have had previously. Okay. Mm. So I think in order to make him more of a Hartnell parallel uh, mm. Doctor One Two
1: if you can follow that numbering. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> is is deliberate. Interesting. Do they make him slightly younger again later on,
0: as you recall? No, I don't think they go backwards at all.
1: I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm on whobackone.com now and it looks significantly younger there. Comparing these two, Podcast Land, we're uh, comparing the thumbnails of B001 and B008. You'll figure it out. <laughs> you know how the internet works.
0: <laughs> and, and also the the lighting in the BBC studio when he's chatting with Zoe Ball is, is a lot less grey and the palette's a lot less washed out. Well, yeah. they make him much
1: paler in the actual episodes. I
2: think he's oh
1: shall we should we wait to address peter capaldi and let's do that let's do it let's edge <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh because i have many more clara points Oh, okay want. let's hear it <laughs> more clara points <laughs> so no the other thing that annoyed me about clara in this episode is how stupid she is so oh, okay so there's multiple times when she so the doctor normally Clara is very good at sort of asking the right questions mm-hmm. and observing things that sometimes even the doctor hasn't seen yet, and she'll point things out to him and this time round it happened there are three points in particular that stood out, so one everyone's asking about when the dinosaur spontaneously combusts, and everyone's saying, "Oh, what happened? who did it da da da." Doc says, they're all the wrong questions. And I was fully expecting Clara to pipe up with the right question. And she didn't. She just turned to him and goes, oh, well, what is the question then? I was like, oh, okay, never mind. She's been through a lot. Give her a break. The second time it happens, they're in the restaurant. And Doc says, okay, look around. What do you notice about all these people? And she says, nothing. They're just eating. And then as soon as the camera focuses on them, they're very clearly not eating. They're very clearly mechanical people who are fake pretending to eat it's not subtle like yeah. it's really obvious but imagine imagine oh sorry she would have spotted that
0: except she's too busy fulfilling her new brief of being snotty and angry
1: yes exactly well imagine yeah. what it was like when she entered the restaurant i mean she she walked in through the door she walked past all these tables she sat down constantly clickety clickety clickety, exactly. clickety. Yeah. yeah
2: she w- that's the thing she would have noticed this before it was pointed out to her and but even when it's pointed out she still doesn't And then the third time is the robot, the main uh, cyborg guy, Doc says, look at his hands. And she's like, what, what? I don't see anything. And it's very, very clearly two different hands. Like, they've just dumped her down completely. That's definitely unobservant, I agree. And I don't know But the former two
1: I'm fine with. I'm I'm fine with her not having um, asked the right question, because I'm extra fine with the doctor revealing what the right question is. Because the right question is so weird and crazy that... It, it seems more expected to come from the mouth of someone who is very crazy in this episode.
2: I think in isolation, I wouldn't have minded it. It just seems like at pivotal points where she could have come up with something or said something or observed something or asked the right question, just continues to fail. And I don't think that is how she's been written in the past.
1: That is true. I agree with you, actually. That's a good point.
2: But
0: I could also see it as a way of, she asked the question she'd expect Smith's doctor to pick up on. Like, Smith would... I don't know, be more compassionate about it. Capaldi is Mr. Cold, Hard, Logic, Rationality Detective Man. So she doesn't realise that he is skipping with all the sentimentalities and just going straight to the case. Smith would have got to that in a couple more minutes, and she might have been ready for it then. But now, Vastra can't do anything right, Strax can't do anything right. So when everybody's failing, you're just like, all right, tell us, you weird, new, angry Scotsman. (laughs) And that that is another through line in the episode. I think that's meant to rather than make Clara dumb. It's meant to tie in with there's a line Vastra says right near the beginning when they say the a blue box has been spat out of the dinosaur that's time travels from the past. So obviously the doctors in there, right? And instead of Vastra saying, of course, it's the doctor. Are you an imbecile for even asking? (laughs) She says, this is not a day for jumping to conclusions. Mm. And that happens multiple times in this episode. You expect it to go one way or people to say one thing and an alternative is taken. And it ties in with all the language about seeing and looking. Mm. There's loads of that. Mm, There is a lot of that.
1: I think in that same scene, the policeman is an absolute idiot as well. (laughs) Gregson? Oh, is that is that? Oh, really? Inspector Gregson. All right. Wait, what was he? We had this conversation already. What's his name on Sherlock Holmes? The the equivalent Well, there's an Inspector Lestrade. There may also be an Inspector Gregson. I think there is. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, he looks at a blue police box. It's got writing on it, Mm. windows, door, etc. That's an egg. No, it's not. No. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) Your grasp of biology troubles me.
1: And London is a little too blasé about the fact that there's a dinosaur in it. Yeah. They
0: get used to it very quickly. Yeah. They do,
1: yeah.
2: Why, is, why isn't London being
1: evacuated? Why aren't people running away from the dragon, you know?
2: Because that, that I think like that would have been my question, is not has this happened before, but has a dinosaur been here before? Because these people are fa- like yeah nobody seems put out
1: by it like, oh it's the government <laughs>
2: even if it even
1: if it's the government like, that's there's, impressive. A, there's a giant dinosaur like
2: now a giant <laughs> dinosaur that is that realistic would yeah. be impressive We'd be like oh
0: there's the russians meddling again <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that suggestion the his dinosaur's neck's all wrong comes from the guy who says he has very good eyes Sometimes the people convinced they have the best gift of sight are the worst at seeing. Oh,
1: There are a few other characters in this episode that I really, really want to discuss, but I don't know if you guys want to discuss them now or if you want to discuss Capaldi first. Do you want to jump into Capaldi? Let's do that. Okay, Okay, let's do
2: that. Should we say more about Clara? (laughs) (laughs) Perfect, perfect. Does anyone, would anyone else have have described Clara as an egotistical narcissistic what was the word
1: she pretty much describes herself as that when they enter the truth fields in a town called christmas
2: does she yeah Hmm.
1: hang on maybe i still have those notes bubbly personality masking bossy control freak i'm wearing a wig i mean that's very consistent with what we get here i think so
2: it is consistent i don't know if we have we seen anything but does she act like a control freak Towards the end
0: of one of the previous in episodes, which is why I have this in mind, the Crimson Horror, the Doctor puts her in the TARDIS and says, you're the boss. And she goes, am I? And the Doctor goes, no, of course not. Of course you're not the boss. <laughs> so she'd like to be. But I think that's as explicit as it was until That last was just time. her flirting with the Doctor. Exactly.
2: Like, I would like, I would react like that if someone said I was the boss of a time machine like that's pretty cool okay yeah Hmm, that's not entirely set aside for the egomaniacs well yeah and the yeah so egomaniac needy game player I think of anyone she's the least needy companion we've had she's like completely going off and doing her own thing and like I don't know I feel like Amy was a needy companion she was oh much more so yeah Yeah. agreed I don't think Clara is I don't know it just I liked the little twist when it turned out that so that this is the line that the doctor describes who would have put an advert in the paper he said an egotistical needy game player and she thinks he's describing himself and actually he's describing her it's a nice little twist i like it's totally spot
1: on by the way because i mean considering that it's missy
2: yeah exactly absolutely spot on yeah when you think about it i was like oh i don't think that does describe clara i think it describes the doctor and it definitely describes missy but yeah just it's again i'm just i have your words echoing around my head drew just about like they're just making her into whatever they needed to be for the for this episode or for the the next series i don't know what they're going to do with her going forwards but a lot of this episode didn't fit with what i expected from her yeah as
0: as far as i remember the whole boyfriend girlfriend thing then becomes a sort of triangle with mr pink so that's meant to be complicated and she goes along with that for a while but then in series nine i think this is what my problem was with series nine was that suddenly she was dangling upside down out of the tardis over a city with the wind going through her hair and she couldn't possibly be more carefree and okay she'd thrown off the shackles of danny pink but she seemed to be not related to the person she had been up to that point mm. at least through series eight so mm. that she series nine she's a, another person entirely yeah. like the third go around yeah and this is after we've dealt with all the splinters, which we could forgive being different people, exactly, but, but yeah. we've been with Clara Prime, Magna Clara for a
1: while now. We have. Magna Clara. <laughs> <laughs> I, I recognise that you're pointing out facts here, at least mostly I agree with them, but I really wasn't bothered. Mm. I like Clara in this.
2: Okay. Uh, she did, her redeeming moment I think is in the face-off with the cyborg and she stops him and she questions him and she gets information out of him even though he's trying to question her yeah it's so really nice and then when she does a lovely little thing she just holds her hand behind her and just knows that the doctor will be there and she's like if you're the man i think i know then you will be here mm. and he is that's a really lovely moment yeah
0: and that calls back to cold war where she's not afraid to be really vulnerable and really frightened but also yeah.
2: incredibly brave yeah entirely in the same scene yeah exactly so i, I really liked that scene i felt like that that encapsulated the Clara that I know and love. Agreed. All right.
1: <laughs> the dog hiding behind a uh, wearing a human face. By the way, the leather face mask. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's a it's a mask which I did not read. I read it in the trivia, is but I Matt did. Smith? Yeah, but I didn't go back to look at it. Did, did you go back? Did you? I, I did. Does it actually it. look like it?
0: It is inevitably a stretched version, mm. but not stretched in the way you'd think. It doesn't look like a very good Matt Smith <laughs> one. Is it one of the rejects they had lying around. Is, this, the early is it a Matt
1: Smith mask the way Michael Myers is a William Shatner mask?
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: If I <laughs> see. Hang on, I'm going to look it up. I didn't know that. That's really nice, actually.
1: Yeah, since it
0: is symbolic of what's actually happened. Yeah. It's very clever. Yeah.
2: There's a lot of that. There's a lot of playing with the um, symbolism and the faces and the reflections and the... Yeah.
1: Holy moly. Oh. Holy moly. That is a Matt Smith mask. Oh, it
2: totally
0: is. I mean it is but for well, you to see that guy walking down the street you'd be like you have a passing resemblance to Matt Smith once he sustains several face on rugby injuries
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> true hey, hop on over to the website podcast land there'll be a screenshot there but yeah anyway how is it not really gross that he's wearing a human face it, yeah
2: absolutely it's super gross well he, put, he puts it on Clara when they're sat in the restaurant he puts this mask over her face and then tells her it's real skin like, yeah I would be so freaked out by that <laughs> that's really not cool doctor have you got any more notes on clara i don't know oh i did well i know sorry should we just make an episode about clara well it seems like
1: this is the clara introduction episodes
2: (laughs) in a way it really is yeah i really liked um when she turned out in her victorian outfit and we got the little throwback to governess um clara oh yeah yeah that was nice anyway probably we
1: should move on from clara can yeah. we move on from Clara to the Pasanostar gang? Okay. Specifically, oh, yeah. I'm really, really This is what I've been waiting for. I'm like, I'm itching to talk to you about and to hear what you think about Madame Vastra and Jenny specifically. Strax is Strax. Yeah. Strax was great, but Strax was Strax. Strax is always great. But Vastra and Jenny in many ways bothered me in this episode. they? Yeah. Because
0: I thought that they actually addressed some of the criticisms we had about them after previous episodes.
1: Yeah, but they don't fix it. They, they, they don't? Well, I, I mean, what... Okay, the main thing that bothered me is what they do what Jenny specifically addresses in this episode, namely that she is still even behind closed doors the servant mm. of the house they are they are married fine society doesn't allow them to be publicly married, but when they are at home in their private only in the presence of friends of Clara, why is she still the servant, and why is Vastra so bossy, and why is Vastra like, Told Malots flirting with uh, Clara on at least one occasion, and why does Vasta like kind of use Jenny to pose and be pretty, and then actually not be painting her at all? But you know. That scene. That was
2: that was a bit of a shitty scene. Like, yeah. there's there's a
1: lot of objectifying it. Well, not a lot. There's one. There's that scene which just objectifies Jenny. And, and
0: would have objectified Clara if she'd consented to put her clothes on the chair. <laughs>
1: yeah. Which hints at Vastra not being as committed to Jenny as Jenny is to Vastra. Hmm. But mostly it's that servant not, lady relationship. Which I
2: don't want to sound like I'm defending it at
1: all because obviously. You're going to say Jenny's just a cock and it's fine.
2: Well, <laughs> well, no. I just wonder she might be. She might be at the time like in victorian england like the man of the house would you know you go out to work you come home your wife cooks and cleans and waits on you hand and foot and that's just the dynamic that there is and so in this scenario i know they're both women but uh vastra is the detective she's the like going out and being the the like breadwinner like this huge house i assume is but somehow she's the, vastra's she's the breadwinner and jenny started out as her servant presumably before they got together Um, yeah and jenny has clearly come from an urchin's background exactly so that's it's just it's the dynamic that a lot of like couples would have had in that period but it would have been a man and a woman and i wonder if it wouldn't be as obvious if Vastra was a man you wouldn't pick up on it so much
1: oh i absolutely would still be bothered by it i i then take the historical context as valid criticism you're you're right that is a good point
2: i think it goes beyond history
0: and gender I think, I think there is a speciesist sort yeah. of slant to it because Vastra, on some level, has an innate snobbery about apes. She does, yeah. That's true. And yeah. that's, e- even if subconsciously she feels she's the superior race, that's gonna come out in some ways. And I thought, actually, this episode was, the relationship in this episode was not laudable for showing the complexity,
2: but I liked it. It's definitely mm. progress on... We've said previous episodes, there's just been no reference whatsoever to them being a couple. So at least they've addressed it. This oh, time. absolutely. Yeah.
1: To clarify, it's not that I, I'm criticizing the writing of this or the crafting of, of them as characters. It's that I'm slightly, I'm relating, you know, I'm finding them slightly less p- sympathetic or Vastra specifically. I'm finding slightly mm. less sympathetic. Yeah. Yeah. Because that is remembered. not, that's, you know, they're, they're not equals in that relationship. No. And Yeah. yeah. It's the but same reason it, that I find I Amy and Rory kind of like, oh, wow. Yeah. In fact, it's, there are there are similarities there, you know, and um, action-packed relationship or, you know, they go on adventures and whatever, but she's ready to cheat on him whenever and bosses him around constantly. Mm. Same kinda with Vastra and Jenny, mm. except um, Vastra's clever.
2: The thing that did bother me about Vastra and Jenny, and <sighs> then the, you touched on, it on your r- review with JD, but the kiss? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm using air quotes for kiss because it wasn't a kiss. It was basically mouth to mouth. When she... They're holding their breath and Vastra says, I've got extra air in my lungs. I can help you. So so when... When was
1: this? Because I... Think that I
2: watched last
1: night. I watched this episode, and I think I watched a copy of the. Oh, I mean, uh, 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 I, I think I watched <laughs> the version where that was cut.
2: Okay, really? I think so. Really?
1: So it's because I kept waiting for it.
2: I think. Actually, I do wonder. We haven't I really. I bet you were fast forwarding to it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we haven't we haven't know, frame really gone by frame, click click. Don't want to miss it.
2: We haven't really gone through the plot, so I don't know if people listening to this are following on at all. Um, but ba- but basically, yeah, when they're in the room f- surrounded by the robot people, and yeah. Clara has realised that they're quite stupid, and so if you hold their breath, they assume that you're also robot people. Good right. thinking, Clara. You're definitely not stupid. Yes, Clara. Um, <laughs> so, so she tells them to hold their breath, and they do, and then Jenny's sort of faltering and fainting and about to give up, and Vastra comes over and says, I've got... Does she, oh, oh, they're like psychically linked. So she says it yeah. mind to mind. Yeah, Jenny's like, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> or
1: something like that. Yeah. Uh, this was not All a of the version that was that I cool, watched. Really?
2: Wow. And yeah, and then Bastra says, I've got spare air in my lungs. I can help you. And then she basically gives a mouth to mouth. And it is. It feels like it's an excuse to be like, oh, we'll have a, a lesbian kiss, but it's not really a kiss. We're gonna. It feels. It feels a bit shoehorned in, rather yeah, than yeah, just where's having the help um, for Strax? Well.
1: Yeah, ra- <laughs> rather than having he's them- there making out with a jacket potato. <laughs> I am picturing it. I am picturing it. <laughs> Everyone, quiet down. I am picturing oh, no. it.
2: <laughs> um, you yeah. get your kicks one way or another. Damn it! <laughs> um, it would like it, they could have easily done it where you know you'd you'd survived like this battle and you are full of adrenaline and your wife is stood next to you and you have a a kiss. Um, and instead, they've kind of had to like shoehorn it into the plot so that they can say like i don't know they've got a reason for it to be there um and it just i don't know it felt a bit disappointing
0: yeah also it doesn't make any sense because another way that scene could have gone is jenny's looking at vaster going miss my lungs are fully inflated and yet i've run out of oxygen and vash looks over and goes don't worry i'll pump more oxygen into you and you'll basically burst
1: Doesn't biologically work? I have seen that scene, though. I'm re- I mean, I remember that scene. Yeah.
0: Vividly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I, I have it as my screensaver, and I don't remember it being so erotically charged. Oh, I mean, it's, it's
0: not erotically charged
1: no. at all. This, oh. th- this conversation was already had in B008, but it is so redonkulous that yeah. anyone should be offended by it.
2: Yeah. Oh, well. But then oh, well, the, all the um, complaints called it practically porn and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I beg to differ. Yeah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> not that I'm a, an expert in any way, but...
0: <laughs> Th- these six viewers need to go and find themselves some better porn.
1: Yeah, And then they'll know what it looks like. <laughs> On the off chance that you're actually listening to us, the uh, six viewers who are offended, get in touch, back one gmail.com, I'll, I'll send you in the right direction. So <laughs> <laughs> let's be lizard porn. I'll set you up with like a little starter kit. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: anyway, but we got to see Jenny being badass again.
1: Yeah. She was, yeah. She
2: was the Crimson Horror. She was really badass. She was
1: a- yeah, she was. Is <laughs> it
2: any better for being repeated, though?
1: Well, I don't and know. And now Vastra's doing it, but too. it's part of her character. Yeah, That's, like, her skill set.
2: I remember. The, I can't remember what the episode was, but after the Crimson Horror, Jenny appeared again and wasn't yeah. badass, and we all complained about it. Yeah. Uh, so... yeah, but you've set
1: up that she's a ninja. So, so they've
2: listened to us, Drew, and they've written it in, and so surely it's a good thing. Thank you, Moth, for listening
1: yeah. to Who Back When. We
2: appreciate that. <laughs> I feel like Moth listen to who back when in another way
1: Oh, because
0: vastra does some actual detecting Ooh. in this episode she does she gets yeah. the victorian equivalent of jam and string preserves and twine <laughs>
1: <laughs> l- love it <laughs>
0: and she deduces that the spontaneous combustion is basically concealment of what's mm, being stolen that's clever it is that that's more cleverness for vastra than we've seen in all
2: the previous episodes put together i think yeah yeah. I think Pastor and Jenny are good in this episode. I enjoyed them. I it's enjoyed them it's to... their last one. Is it their What? Last one? No. Is I it? Know. Yeah.
0: Uh, this weirdly is only the fifth episode for the oster gang mm. outside of the prequels. So that may mean it feels like a little more because we've been completist enough to look through those. Wait, sorry. The prequels? The prequels for the Snowman? Oh, right. Okay. Or, or shitty little two-minute segments Yeah, yeah. Mm. where they get an extra scene. They came in and a good man goes to war and were basically dropped in as if we'd known them all our lives. Yeah. And we we're like, who are these people? I mean, we knew who they were because we'd lived
2: through it, but at the time, who are these people? And it's still not ever been explained. This is their last episode and, and we never... Well... In those little two minute snippets you get a vague like they pick up stracks, don't they? Yes. Yeah. But that's it. We don't know
1: We don't get to see how Vastra and Jenny meet yeah. or why Vastra's even in eighteen nineties <laughs> yeah. London. And
2: why is she why is she so wealthy and a detective and, and what Yeah, exactly. She just defrosted and and then shouldn't all the Londoners have just been terrified and No, because they her. saw a, they saw
1: a T Rex earlier well, today yeah, okay. and were like, Oh cool, it's a T Rex. They see a, a dinosaur lady and they're like, Cool, it's a dinosaur sure, lady. Yeah, no, you, she must <laughs> wear a
2: veil though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but but she doesn't wear the veil. Once the dinosaur appears, she's happily trotting around. Yeah, and then she puts on over. the veil when she's talking to Clara. It's such utter nonsense. But it's a magic veil. It's apparently a voice deactivated veil. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It
2: disappears. Yeah, yeah. it does. It does because, I, yeah, I, 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 I can't decide. I can't get my words out. I can't decide whether I like the veil scene or not. No, you I'll decide for you. Okay. It's absolutely dreadful. <laughs> Come on, Drew. Not really. There no. we go.
0: <laughs> I, I want to. I want to see. Is Vester saying? oh is that jenny and then really quickly just whips it off <laughs> like have you got anything you'd like to say because
2: <laughs> I, I had to go and rewind it because i was like wait she was wearing a veil in the last scene when did she take the veil off and she does it they just cut scenes and now she's not wearing a veil anymore and then she tells clara oh it's because you can't see it which is very nice i don't know maybe it is a magic veil you don't know what technology these lizard no people i mean have. she's got remote locking for a carriage exactly so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> who am i to <laughs> rule it out but yeah in a good man goes to war they were just introduced as people allies the doctor has picked up along
1: the way
2: yeah
1: it would have been nice to have a proper backstory of how the doctor met them well yeah. there are a lot of audiobooks with them as far as i'm oh, aware really? and it's possible that we get their backstory there
2: oh,
0: okay yeah but in the episodes they're in inevitably we cut away from them really quickly i thought when the action wrapped up 12 minutes from the end, forgetting that Smith was due to call and Mm. Capaldi and Clara still had stuff to work out. I thought we were going to get some actual closure with mm. the nosters but no you get one scene with vastra saying oh there's the tardis haven't i got good lizard hearing and off off clara Fox, and that's so, it yeah
2: so that's if they don't ever come back for another episode then they've basically they've never been given a proper send-off we haven't had, got, got a chance to say they goodbye can still
1: come back no. and, and we will i mean, we most likely won't but we could get to know them better in audiobook form
0: yeah. yeah i think the fact that they are doing audiobook series now sort of gives away that they are heritage characters <laughs> at this point yeah and big finish get the chance to juice all the people who aren't current anymore yeah that's fair i mean i'd love to be proven wrong with this announcement that's gonna be presented to us on the 23rd of november whatever that is between recording this episode and it dropping we could all be proven massively wrong <laughs>
1: Yeah, I doubt it. Yeah, Yeah. so do I.
0: I mean, you can't have a a Paternoster gang of three and three companions all just bashing around in that tiny TARDIS. Yeah.
1: True. But the Paternoster gang doesn't get to travel around in the TARDIS anyway. No, yeah, I suppose. What I was
0: saying is make for a very cluttered
1: episode. Oh, what else would I like to say about the Paternoster gang? Good question.
0: I was just about to
1: ask (laughs) before you so rudely interrupted. (laughs) So why does Doc speak dinosaur, but Vastra does not? Does he speak dinosaur? Well, or he, maybe the TARDIS is translating it for him. He can understand dinosaur.
2: Yeah, he
0: can't speak dinosaur. Okay, yeah, because because on the roof he is talking in human signed language, not even dinosaur sign language. Okay, this
1: is yeah, that's true because dinosaur sign language is like yeah,
0: yeah, it's very small movements. <laughs>
1: all in the nipple area yeah but okay that's true he your, your speak grasp dinosaur. of biology troubles me <laughs> is this not, is this dinosaurs this? don't have nipples no it's in oh, in the dog's nipples. Oh of course of course yeah yes that's true he does not speak dinosaur because he doesn't roar constantly but he does understand dinosaur and vastra does not and she grew up with dinosaurs yeah
2: but that's like saying
1: like we grew up with Cats and dogs. And yeah, that. like. But she's also part lizard. It like if she has a telepathic link with her servant girlfriend, but or wife. But she doesn't have a telepathic link with someone who's practically the same species? Are they practically the same? Not the practically. I'm not being racist here towards lizards.
2: I feel well, like you are. I feel like you're both... saying like we should, we should be able to understand apes because we're the same. Like I, That's the relationship that she has to I the I feel dinosaur. like we are
1: more likely to have a telepathic link or some sort of emotive link with an ape than we are with uh, an iguana.
0: But do you remember in Dinosaurs on a Spaceship yep. where the spaceship was a bunch of Silurians with a noah's ark full of dinosaurs yeah. and they didn't go well we can understand these beings eventually we will coexist and perhaps even become one species they were like they're our pets and this relationship is never changing and i get that i've just said that Solarians are all snobs <laughs> but i think it goes beyond that i don't think there's so any telepathy haven- for a dinosaur to we, return have- didn't
1: we have another conversation about why they had the dinosaurs on the spaceship in the dinosaurs on the spaceship review I feel like there was a theory about, like, I mean, yeah, we go into space and we go to sleep, and by the time we wake up, those guys are gonna be us, like, you know.
2: But that's the thing; like, you have to have. I think you have to have a level of intelligence to form this psychic bond. So you can't just form psychic bonds with animals. They have to evolve to the level that they can. I like that theory. Okay.
1: Yeah. No, I do like that theory.
2: And plus. Vastra has had to learn English because she's speaking English. Yes. So when, when we see the Silurians um, and in the other episode with the Doctor and the TARDIS, the TARDIS is translating for them, presumably. All these Silurians that we, we've woken up underground that were sleeping, they're not all speaking English. I think Vastra has had to learn English. So they're telepathically communicating in the same language.
1: They did speak English in Doctor Who and the Silurians. Did they? But they also were telepathic. Hmm. As in, they had a thing. There's like a third eye type situation in their foreheads going on, and that is telepathic. So that's like a Babel lobe, are you saying? Something along those lines, yeah. But this was also a third eye that could do other stuff. As in, it could it, it could teleport. It could they it gave them telekinetic abilities. There's one thing where they like Superman two or Superman three. They like rebuild a hole in the wall using wow. that thing. I mean, it's bullshit.
2: See, Vasha is not using any of her skills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Anyway, I think that's a little odd that she has absolutely no, not even a starting point. How about Vastra, okay, she doesn't have to understand its language or its thoughts. It doesn't have to, she doesn't have to do any of those things. But since she grew up with dinosaurs, and by the way, in that first Silurian episode, we get to see a T-Rex. Like, they just have a T-Rex. So this is what they're referring to. Hashtag not all (laughs) T-Rexes. So so why... It, I would have been slightly more okay with her just going, oh, wait, hang on. This is a dinosaur. I know how to deal with this. And she, let's say she, I don't know, she has like a red hanky or like she has a particular light or she does, you know. She does. She puts lights all around her. She it. has a sci-fi gadget. Yeah. She she could do anything. She could like call like, oh, 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 And the dinosaur just like, oh, oh, I'm calming down. I'm calming down. <laughs> so, you but, so
2: you know the exact call to calm down an ape. No, but I didn't grow up with apes. She
1: grew up with dinosaurs. She grew up with T-Rexes. So she knows that
0: that isn't an option. And she can't put her So why not her hands either side of its
1: temple and do a mind smite like she does with Camelda. So Gelding. why can't with a cartoon noise that really pissed me off. But, but, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> seconded. <Uh-oh.
2: laughs> Marie? I quite liked it. Oh, All really?
0: right. <laughs> it was was such a scooby-doo noise it really was it really
1: was
0: (laughs) you know what it was like more than anything else i defy any listener to think of a better analogy is when in the man with the golden gun james bond roger moore is grappling with a sumo wrestler and he accidentally grabs hold of both of the sumo's butt cheeks and the and the sound effect goes (laughs) That is amazing. I need to watch this. It it's is amazing, but it's also the worst thing in the film by a mile. Knickknack, oh. oh.
1: knack Tabasco.
0: I dearly wish it wasn't there.
1: Oh dear. <laughs> Beat that if you can. <laughs> I just can't. Anyway, enough said about the dinosaur. I agree to disagree. We
2: get, we, we, I understand your frustration. I do not agree with it. Fine. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> That's very Voltaire. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Shall we get on to Capaldi?
2: Oh, let's talk about Capaldi. No, wait.
1: Unless oh, anyone wants to talk TARDIS or intro theme. <laughs> you can
0: listen to those golden nuggets back in B-008 podcast land. Sure. <laughs> so, Capaldi. <laughs> uh-huh. I have a question about Capaldi. Let's hear it. Because Trenton has said, and I'm still waiting for evidence, Trenton, that Matt Smith was originally going to do Series 8. Mm-hmm. Now, is there possibility that... There was a draft of this story intended for Smith back in the day. Because the Paternosters don't get to be friends of Capaldi. They're here and then they're not. It's odd. Which makes me think that perhaps he had one last Paternoster adventure with Smith planned and I this don't. was it. Mm. And. Then he was going to... I don't know. I don't know what he thought he was going to do after that. Clearly, everything is up in the air because actors can just leave it on a moment's notice.
1: Can I make a parallel to one of the other great TV shows of the world? Star Trek. Whenever you go from one Star Trek sub-franchise or family to another, there is always one or some, sometimes a few members of the past, the last yeah. series crew just there on the in the first episode to ferry you along. It even happens in the movies. Like, when Generations comes along... The very start of generations you get some of the classics. Yep. And th- that's kind of understandable. You're you're introducing a completely new cast, you need someone there to just anchor it for the fans so that they go, Oh yeah, this is in the same universe. Hey, if those people that I know and love trust these new guys, then yeah, that's great, then I do as well.
0: Yeah. Scrub's interns, series nine. <laughs> Why is J D there? Why is Kelso there?
2: Exactly. This. Bingo.
1: Yeah. And that's what the Paso Nostas do.
2: Do you think it needed them or would would Clara not have been enough on her own?
1: It's better with the Paternosters, isn't
2: it? I, I, like, I like them, yeah. yeah. But... Okay, well, my question was sort of leading to, Capaldi is so
0: utterly not Smith, but it's the same writer, the same character, the same heightened scattershot randomness, discovering body parts and rooms and concepts when you've just arrived in this body. Can you imagine Smith delivering these lines? Marie has a pertinent note, it would seem. <laughs>
2: So, right at the end, when the doctor and the cyborg, main cyborg guy are having their face off in the hot air of human skin, balloon. um, Yeah, apparently filled with helium. (laughs) I don't know. um, The best. Yeah. I really, really liked that scene and the talk about the you know the different faces and are you still who you were when you started you've been through so many different body parts you know there's none of the original left are you still you and it's, it's equally applicable to the cyborg and the doctor he holds up the tray to show the cyborg his face and in the reflection we see Capaldi's face I think it's all incredibly well done and then there's a line that says don't make assumptions about how far I'll go I've already come a very long way and the note I wrote there is this is the first time I've seen Matt Smith's doctor in him and I could imagine oh, really? I can imagine matt smith saying that line that's
0: when you saw, him. That's when I saw I it. Thought that yeah. was when capaldi was sort of saying i have changed so many times you don't know who i am anymore maybe yeah. i will chuck you out i thought that was sort of a st- strike for capaldi's newness and in
2: independence yeah it's interesting i think it could go either way what do you think,
1: Leon? Well, I didn't think so much back to the the first Matt Smith episodes, as in like. No, li-
2: not not to the early Matt Smith, but to like the last the Doctor that we've just seen in the last episode. Oh, I like see. Linking the two.
1: No, this is much more severe. It's much more. Yeah, I I find this way more serious, more grown up.
2: Mm. You don't Matt think that Smith. with a clownish less-
0: delivery and big gestures, Smith could say essentially the same things no, and you'd I don't feel differently?
1: I'm quite happy saying that this is. Frankly, a different person Mm. and up until like the thing I was hinting at before up until Matt Smith makes that call at the very end and Capaldi says oh i remember that up until then i had on numerous occasions to myself thought yeah no i mean this there is very little difference between a regeneration and just dying and being replaced by a new person mm. between these two between these two not in general and i know later on we get lots of links and whatever but and 50 years of doctor who but in general i find this to be a very different person who delivers lines very differently and whose lines are very different
2: mm, whose yeah.
1: outlook on life and other characters are very different
2: but it is it's the so a greater um,
1: contrast between these two doctors than there was between matt smith and tenants for me yeah
2: but the doctor that he has just regenerated from is not the matt smith that we have spent the last three series getting to know he is the doctor that is just spent how many 500 700 years oh in christmas you mean. That, yeah. yeah like getting older and older and frailer and frailer and and st- stuck in one place and not traveling and not being like the joyful giddy clownish matt smith that we see like that's the doctor that regenerated and so the phone call that clara gets and she sees a young matt smith that's because his regeneration has started and he's and he kind of flicks back to the young body i don't feel quickly
1: i feel like matt smith the second he gets the extra regenerations he regresses back to his younger self his flamboyant uh, bouncy self and the only reason he's a little somber later on when he's on the phone is because he's dying effectively he knows that this iteration of his personality is going to end and he's weakened so that that's that adds to it as well
2: yeah
0: but he also knows in a way who's the coming because he knows that that capaldi will be scared there yeah. is continuity there exactly oh, certainly, he's, yeah. he's
2: been in those shoes before he knows how like unnerving it is to not know your own body um so he, yeah
1: yeah i don't i i didn't i did not make this connection yeah. or oh, i don't i don't feel like there's as much of a connection i made a greater connection between this episode and christmas invasion tenant's first one Mm. where tenant is also i mean he's asleep for much of it frankly yeah but he's then also confused and then he it suddenly just dips into darkness and i mean the the connection or the the parallel for me is that all of a sudden there's a contrast between where we were before and what we are now promised is going to be coming up Mm. tenant's kills a dude and just goes yeah I'm this kind of dude or whatever he says I can't remember what he says
0: it's not the fall that kills the dude it's the ground is that what he says no no no, no. <laughs>
1: what I'm saying is if the he lets a guy die he throws a, an orange on him or whatever it is or a is cantaloupe the... and he falls from the spaceship is it Sycorax is that the name yeah that's... the Sycorax. Yeah. he kills the Sycorax and the he's Sycorax like really oh cared. forgiveness I'm not that kind of man that, I mean it's he has a I'm paraphrasing there's something along those lines
0: if the Sycorax really cared they could send someone down to catch this guy but they're just happy he's gone he didn't represent them at all hashtag not all sicker acts <laughs> so we touched on it about how capaldi was scared I had completely forgotten the existence in this episode or anywhere in Capaldi's run of wacky, disorientated, fearful Capaldi. Mm. Because he puts a shit ton of acting on the screen.
1: You mean in the beginning with the the bedroom and the mirror and all that stuff?
0: Yeah, and capering about by the riverside. That may just seem like silly fun, but there is terror in his eyes. Mm. He does not know what's going on. I only got that on a second viewing Mm. after we got to the end and Smith had basically given the character... To note away and then i went back and it was there throughout so good job capaldi yeah
1: yeah tremendously well done
0: yeah
2: fantastic job
1: but is this also the part about maybe we had this conversation back when capaldi was announced i can't remember i don't even know if this was on the record i don't know but the bbc must have had to make or moff had to make a conscious decision to go very different Mm. because if he goes for another stereotypical like a young handsome white english chap then that person is going to be immediately paralleled, you know, compared to Matt Smith and Tennant and, and Eccleston. Mm. Maybe Eccleston a little less. And therefore, he makes this scared, terrorized older gentleman just to make a difference. Okay, another reason why I don't feel that this could have been, for example, a repurposed script originally intended for Matt Smith is that there is so much terror in this there's so much confusion and darkness in this episode which simply wouldn't have worked with either one of the prior new who doctors oh actually you maybe would have worked a little bit with Eccleston because he was so traumatized but it is a departure oh i don't
0: know in the last series we had smith dispatching solomon without a care he's been going that way doctors
1: get darker as they go along with capaldi we just sort of building on what came before i don't feel that do you feel that Marie? Do you think this is a continuation? That darkness is a con- and the terror are they continuations of Matt Smith?
2: I think what I interpret as the terror that you're talking about is the, is the beginning and the confusion and and yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I mean... Uh, this... And that's not... I don't think that that has continued No, I mean, that, from... that has
0: a very special place yeah. in a post-regeneration story, yeah. and that would have come out in the redrafting. Yeah. And likewise, the fear of rejection from Clara.
2: Exactly. So that's all very specifically Capaldi. But like I say, the climax with the other guy, I totally see Matt Smith in that role. Okay. I can see a, a transition from Matt Smith getting darker and darker and darker and then turning into Capaldi. It doesn't feel like a huge leap. Yeah, I mean, the complicating factor
0: is... Is the centuries on law exactly? But
2: that wouldn't have happened that way if
1: Smith had just been carrying on.
2: No, hmm. Hmm. and you and you the War Doctor as well. Like you've seen already that he's got it in him.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I don't find the War Doctor and Matt Smith's Doctor super duper similar.
2: No. Possibly for the same reason. But again, well, but but again, I think I'm separating Matt Smith's like younger self from the old man on Trenzalore, and I don't I, like I don't know. I do I see that in all of them. I think a
1: little okay. bit, yeah. To me, Capaldi is channeling a lot of Hartnell. Mm. I mean, from that episode, that conversation with J D, there were other references that I simply don't know. I've never seen Colin Baker, for yeah. example, but he's channeling a lot of Hartnell. And when Hardnell was eventually replaced by Troughton, those two were quite different. Yeah. There's like a reversal of going from the very serious grandfatherly chap to the very clownish. Slightly haphazardly working, much younger guy. Yeah, yeah. And this is the the same in reverse. I completely concede that both of these personalities are and have been on numerous occasions part of the Doctor's character. Yeah. But they're never the same traits right next to each other. or no. They certainly weren't here. There well, for was me, a anyway.
2: scene when he jumps out of the window, is in his nightdress, and he love that scene. He, he goes to the door. is Nah, not me. And then he puts his head out the window. It's like yes, and then <laughs> me. <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> leaves out of the window finds a horse takes the horse away from his pet that like the rider yeah <laughs> i feel like that joke's been done in doctor Who. Before. yeah but it's like that's a very sort of slapstick scene um and therefore i kind of hated it but
1: him he, landing on his balls you <laughs> <yeah>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he was having a great old time and again Absolutely. i can totally see matt smith doing that scene yeah. as well yeah, I like, can, yeah Yeah, that's true that's true yeah. i can see that so as well i think actually. there definitely are elements that they've made run through both of them like his swollen balls which get <laughs> twatted with the sonic later on <laughs> oh yeah i like that when clara she throws a screwdriver at him and he, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah well she's just
0: paying it forward because she's been twatted in the face yes. by the times newspaper yes i hated that moment. yeah me too <laughs> That
1: was terrible. Oh, in the restaurants. No, no.
0: When she wakes At up in the, the morning winter. and Strax says, "I've got the morning paper. Shall oh, I throw yes. it up to you?"
1: Oh, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's a
2: big wind up. I know what I you. I will drown you in acid. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Old habits.
2: There was a line that I really didn't like. That there was a little callback. Oh, it was that scene actually when um, he says to Clara, "Don't let the sonic roll away," and she inevitably does, and her tiny little sh- short. Legs with her tiny feet Can't quite reach Oh it. I know the line yeah. And she goes He goes It's times like this I miss Amy And I just oh, It's so unnecessary because she had long legs Yeah like yeah. That's the only thing I can Yeah so unnecessary and so that was a really awkward callback to be like, look, look, I am still Doctor. I remember the last companion. It has yeah, to be. Yeah,
1: and I'll do that by objectifying her a little bit and, yeah. and also calling back to one of the freaking worst people we've encountered so far.
0: <laughs> it has to be about her long legs because otherwise Clara really is set up for being stupid. Yeah. That would be the other differentiating factor because Clara thinks, oh, the way to get this to me is to uh, kick it. Oh, no, <laughs> that, that
2: didn't work. Should I kick it again? Yeah. Will that work? <laughs> no. <laughs> How about a third kick? The time's oh. a charm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's so many things I want to talk about. I'm so sorry. I, keep, right. going for it. I keep, keep going. keep going all over the shop and just keep remembering different things. That what follows that scene is when they then escape and they're in the room with the sleeping cyborg guy, and then he wakes up and Doctor runs away and escapes and, le- and abandons Clara in the room with him. Yep. And she says desperately, like, Well, at least give me the screwdriver. He's like, nah, I'll probably need it. Like, oh, that was really cold. That felt colder than anything we've seen before. Yeah, Smith. very
1: uncharacteristic. Yeah. That
0: parallels what he did with the tramp when he says, well, there's no point in both of us being
2: Yeah. He steals yes. this poor man's clothes. Yeah, that was an incredible scene. But he doesn't it was, steal
0: yeah. it because he ends up giving away the watch. Yeah. And everything.
2: So you actually yeah. learn
0: later on that he was being really generous. You just didn't get to see that part. That's true. I don't my know question is, based on that... Do you know who that was, by the way? I know exactly who that was. Oh, Leon, sorry. tell us who that no, was. Oh, you
1: go for, it, go for it. Go for it. Sorry, sorry.
0: <laughs> well, I don't have his name on, on the screen. Brian Miller. <laughs> he is the widower of Elizabeth Sladen, Sarah Jane Smith.
2: Mm-mm.
0: And his acting as the tramp was brilliant really, really yeah brilliant. i liked him yeah like all the reactions were completely believable i yeah. i mean it helped that i didn't know the man yeah but just the very similitude i mean he had me entirely convinced mm. like when the tramp was scared and then when the tramp was obsequious to try and calm capaldi down a bit yeah every beat seemed just bang on I agreed yeah but my question was going to be when doc appears to abandon clara mm. Is that just a test on his part to put her in some dire straits and in those dire straits to realise that she has to rely on him and thereby sort of test her loyalty?
2: well i want to think so i want to think so i think he must have a plan otherwise it is so cold and callous and horrible and this we were me and jim were chatting about this before i came out and this was his theory about why clara is so crap and then actually towards the end she does get better and Mm -hmm. that's the pivotal moment and so before then she's just as scared and disorientated as the doctor is, she doesn't know him. She doesn't know if she can trust him. She doesn't know if it's the same person that she's just spent the last like couple of years getting to know. And so she's not on a game. She's missing things that she would normally get. And that's why she looks like she's a bit shit. And then from then on, she's forced to think. She has to use her brain. She has to... She holds her breath for an incredibly long time. Every time I've watched this episode Do you try I've, to hold your breath as well i have never managed even right. close
0: like she does a phenomenal job <laughs> i managed to make it to when she left the room but yeah. then when the second corridor full of automatons appeared i was like yes oh,
2: fuck exactly because that's the thing you expect you're like oh finally we're out of the room we can relax and then you look up and they're still there and it's such a tense scene and she must be petrified but she rises to it and in, she absolutely owns it and then yeah and then that's the point where she goes okay I've got this she kind of becomes herself again and she says no if I am me then the doctor is the doctor and he will be here he has my back and she reaches out and he is there yeah. and so that from that point forward she is brilliant and she is the one who's cool and calm and, and tells the patonatister gang how to get out of the trap and Oh yeah 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 like she she gets back to being a normal self so if you think about it in those terms, maybe it was a plan. Maybe it isn't just...
1: I think he definitely does have a plan, but I don't think that it's in any way a, a test for her.
2: But then why wouldn't he let... Why wouldn't... Because he, he
1: already knows how to fix this. He he needs the Sonic to do it as well. Like He clearly goes somewhere, like infiltrates it, uses his Sonic... To, deactivates a robot, steals its Matt Smith Matt Smith is in there somewhere, like a <laughs> droid. Yeah. Steals his face, infiltrates their group, basically, and then goes back to the main room. And that's part of his plan.
2: But why wouldn't he say to her, don't worry, I've got a plan. That's I'm the shitty back. part. That's yeah. the shitty part.
1: But I don't think it's part of a test or anything like that.
2: It's
0: a test insofar as it requires her not to say to the droid, I will tell you everything you need to know if you'll just spare my life because I don't know who this guy is anymore and I've got no allegiance to him. Yeah. So she needs to come through that but By much- that
1: rationale, every day with the doctor is a test. So the, as long as you don't stab him in the back, then you've passed the test. Okay. Is that not what you're saying? I
2: didn't think it was. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Are there, I think there are other scenes where do- the doctor is, is like, test- not... Is it tested someone's loyalty or tested their trust in him? So there's there's the scene with the angels and Amy when she can't see and he comes back to her and he says, like, you have to trust me. This is, like, the most important thing is just to trust me. But he doesn't
1: say that in this one. It's no, he doesn't. Like
2: but it just it feels like that's a running kind of theme is that you just have to have faith in, like, absolute faith and trust in the Doctor and he will be there for you. Yeah, um, and that's
0: something that you have to volunteer and do yeah. of your own volition. Yeah. If he says, do you trust me? It's just going to become a complicated knotty conversation he hasn't got time for that
2: yeah marie how about you bring up the next point oh i don't know do we need, do you want to oh oh i know i've got a, <laughs> okay. i've got one the madame de pompadour the girl in the fireplace yes yes i really 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 liked that as a callback because that's one of my favorite episodes from that series and the way they did it because as soon as the robots came on and they were like half you know robots with the human skin and you kind of go and and they talk about finding human parts to repair themselves you immediately go oh this sounds familiar but then the fact that the doctor keeps going oh this is familiar," like he's with you he's going oh where have i seen this before Um, Are are they meant to be the exact same kind of robots so they don't look alike at all um no that's true well i mean now they're covered in skin but it's yeah Yeah. it's thousands of years that have diverged exactly so it's the sister ship so it was the ss mary antoinette i think so it's the same you know technology same race whoever invented this robot ship but it was just a really nice little nod and it was every time he got close to it i was kind of you're kind of willing him to remember and then finally puts it together i thought that was a nice way to hop back to a really really great episode without it being like we're just remaking it
0: it was i wasn't quite as carried along with it i i started to find it a little tiresome i think it went on too long yeah come on doctor you really should have figured it out by now he's got a lot on
2: his plate he does and for him it happened a a millennium ago yeah no that's true (laughs) i'm impressed he got there at all actually
0: (laughs) yeah for us it it was what 12 years ago Mm. and i'd have forgotten it by now if i wasn't on this podcast exactly
2: (laughs) yeah i have a question as well about the doctor okay and the cyborg man did he fall or was he pushed anyone would you like to volunteer an answer
1: stone cold murder
2: Murder <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I
0: think it's deliberately left vague. Yeah. So it would be I mean I'm not gonna call you a fool, Leon, but <laughs> on one level at least, i think it's foolish without further
1: evidence to go one way or the well, other. C- well- c- Sycorax. Sycorax. Compa- do it a, make the parallel with the Sycorax.
2: This is why I'm asking I'm not asking I'm asking for your opinion. What do you think? Well, not what we know.
0: I think that he's also spared people in worse situations than the Sycorax. Let's take tenant in the doctor's daughter when he's holding a gun to the guy's head and okay it would be more graphic and more horrifying were he to do it but it's the same result it's a murder okay it would be in front of people there are l- loads of times where he hasn't murdered someone that's true and the the killings are the outliers so yeah were absolutely. we to go on
2: just numerical odds you'd go with it's been we had a murder <laughs> marie <laughs> <laughs> My theory is that so the way that the cyborg was sort of talking towards the end, he kept he kept saying, "But how would you do it? But how would you do it?" And it almost felt like he's wa- like wanting to know, "Is it possible? Like, can you kill me? How is this going to happen?" And he, said, he mentions his programming not allowing him to, and you kind of get the feeling ah. that he's been here for thousands of years. He's Just euthanasia, basically. Millions of people. Yeah, he doesn't know. He wants to get to this promised land, but he doesn't know if it will if he will ever get there, if it will ever exist. Like, he is done. He's come to the end of his. life line but he is programmed that he cannot kill himself and so it is i think he was pushed but i think it was almost like a mercy killing at the end yeah so whether like you a whether yeah. you then categorize euthanasia as murder into the yeah, equation exactly yeah oh, but, wow yeah well Let's so maybe not go into that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, that's today. a <laughs> That's a different subject.
0: Yeah. Okay, I just got a couple of points before we get to the last major talking points. To pick up on a previous episode where I was like, Why are dinosaurs always licking people with their big tongues? I figured it out. It's Dino from the Flintstones. Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> Wait, uh, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm going quick because I'm ca- trying to remember. D- does the dinosaur lick anyone in this one?
0: Not in this one, and I was glad ah, okay. that it didn't, but it ah, okay. did in Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. And I thought, if I don't bring it up now, when will I get the <laughs> chance? All right. <laughs> and I just wanted to say a little bit of trivia. When Vastra is doing a Scottish accent, that is oh. Neve McIntosh's natural accent because <gasps> she, like Edwin
2: Braceface,
0: really? is from
2: Paisley. Mm. I thought it was a very nice accent because I did, I was listening to it going. Has Vastra always been Scottish? This, just, <laughs> this sounds really normal.
1: <laughs> As the foreigner in the room, can I confess, I did not pick up on the accent at the time.
0: Oh. All <laughs> oh, right, that's why Capaldi was like, finally, someone's speaking
2: normally. The thing I did pick up on... Oh, I though, get it now in
1: hindsight, but at the time I did not, un- <laughs> not pick it up at all.
2: Was um, He said cl- about Clara speaking really weird and then Jenny comes in and he's like, you are speaking weird too. And I thought it was going to be a dig about northerners. Oh. oh. Actually, oh. no, Jenny's... It's Jenny, what's Jenny? Nah, she's a Cockney Sparrow the cockney sometimes i get yorkshire and cockney mixed up yeah
0: oh no we were there (laughs) for the whole recording of operation pandarica
2: i have no
1: idea what you're talking about
0: And I'll restrict myself to one further point. When Capaldi is mumbling in his sleep about the world I used to see, the trees, the the things I trampled, they're all gone. Can't see me, doesn't see me, can't see me means that he can't be translating the dinosaur in his sleep. He has to be talking about how Clara can't and doesn't see him.
2: Yeah, that's what I thought.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And I only got that on a rewatch.
2: But if he's talking about trampling things and he can't have been talking about him the whole time. Maybe he doesn't say trampled. What does he say? He I, says like big and alone and scared and she thinks he's describing the dinosaur. But yeah, it's that can't see me, won't see me. That's the line that you go, oh, I think he's talking about himself actually. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, I think he probably thought of himself as a pretty big fish on Gallifrey. He ended the time war. Yeah. I, I think it broadly checks out.
2: Oh Yeah, yeah, I think so. Oh, it was really sad it's a very sad episode it is a
1: sad episode mm. so Mary Poppins
2: <gasps> this is the first time she's been in
1: yeah obviously this time around I knew exactly who she was yeah. but listening to B008 I was amazed that I didn't piece it together back then because there
2: were so many like fan theories about what it could have been yeah but yeah, as soon as you say it could be the master, it's like Missy the master. It's so like but it, yeah, but I didn't get it at the no. time. Did you guys get it at no, the time? I don't think so. No, because
0: all. there is some misdirection thrown in here because Missy talks about the Doctor being the boyfriend, the boyfriend, and okay, yeah. Rivers the wife, and 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 he's a husband, so it doesn't quite check out. But there is enough uncertainty maintained, yeah, yeah, that it seems really ob- blindingly obvious now, but back then. No, nobody was nobody was willing actually, I think in a way to be like missy master obviously. No. <laughs> you hope in those situations where you think you've got it figured out that it is something cleverer than something too clever for you to figure
2: out. Yeah, and mission accomplished. I think she's fantastic though. Oh, I she's so good. I love her. Yeah. Did you ever watch Greenwing? no what's that oh <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh wow did you do? i hated green Wing. <gasps> that's green wing
2: oh my god it's where it's um where i know her from and okay. she basically plays the same character somehow but in a hospital <laughs> it's fantastic you should watch it
1: right i knew her from the book
0: group don't watch that
1: okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> now she's so fantastic i mean we i mean we get to see barely a menace yeah. of her but even just her twirling the umbrella towards the end, there's a stagecraft to her constantly. Yeah. Even in her gesticulations, everything is somehow exaggerated for the stage and, and the just perfect. the delivery,
2: every line so good. is spot on. Yeah. And it just and it just at the end of this episode where you think everything's wrapped up, Clara and Doctor walking off hand in hand, everyone's happy, la la la, we'll go on as normal. And then bam, this like just opens so many doors and just what the heck is going on? And and presumably at this point, I think you've made the connection that she's the woman that gave the number to Clara. Yeah. And so it's like this woman who is in some sort of afterlife for robots. What? Where is she? How is she there? What's going on? It Oh, it's fantastic.
0: <laughs> also, how does she know exactly how the guy died? And... To ask the question that we have just been presented exactly. with, did he push you or did you jump? That makes you think that there may be an omniscience angle to this. Yeah,
2: it's so well done. I can't, I, yeah, I hope it pans out as well as I hope it will.
1: Do you remember where this is leading to? Yeah. And did you remember that having been such a long storyline? I did not remember that being like a season-long arc.
2: I don't think I expected it in the first episode. It was a shock. It was a bit of a shock when right. she yeah, exactly. turned up here. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Do we have to wait till right at the end to find out that it's the master? When because you see her a few more times.
1: I don't know. I don't know either. When I think see?
0: when the Cybermen are tramping up the steps of St. Paul, that's that's when we know. Yeah, the penultimate episode yeah. of this series. Yeah.
2: Yeah. See, (laughs) I'm so excited.
1: So much better than John Sim's master, right? So sorry.
0: I would say so. I didn't want to think it at first. I remember at the time having an attachment to John Sim, but yeah, by the end of this series, I was completely won over. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. I I remember liking John Sims
2: as well, but um, not at the beginning. Towards the end, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I love Missy. I love Missy with all my heart. Oh, so good. She's my master.
1: (laughs) <laughs> I like it. Right. Ratings? Let's. And now
2: it is time to rate
1: this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bon, hey, la, 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 la. Ratings. L- As I was vanquished in the battle of the nose tips it falls on me to go first starting with Capaldi, I will keep this fairly short (laughs) okay (laughs) mainly because I haven't really okay, well, well, okay, (laughs) remains to be seen starting with Capaldi, I have to say up front, I think possibly my appreciation for this episode is tainted somewhat, unfairly by my recollection of the Capaldi yet to come. We do get lots and lots of spiffing Capaldi in this, but it is not, as we have said, it's not quite the Capaldi that that he is going to end up he's still he's popped out of the microwave and not quite cool enough to eat just yet but the <laughs> he does show incredible range he has his killer eyebrows that already set him apart from everything, but most of all, I love Capaldi because even though he's so incredibly insane in this episode, he is channeling that bastard William Hartnell's first Doctor that I've really missed. I would have been incredibly disappointed had we gotten another clown, and this episode, even though he is not yet himself, quite yet, it's already showing that we are getting a slightly darker, more cynical, maybe sinister Doctor, which is, which I've missed. And it is darker in a good way as opposed to after the next regeneration both of Doctor and show host, where the whole show regenerates into something much more dark and Netflix-y, whatever. We'll get to that. Clara, fine. I wasn't offended by her in any way. She was fine. The Paternoster gang, great, though perhaps Vastra and Jenny ought to consider couples counselling. Uh, exactly the right amount of callbacks for my liking. The four, the allies, a couple of lines here and there, even the two, not one, but two so sorries that we get. Perfect for me. Missy, so promising, we get to see just a minute and a half of Missy, but wowee, I am on the edge of my seat, I cannot wait. This episode just offers so much tension and adventure, casual dinosaur, darkly comedic moments, not to mention a brilliant sci-fi concept, underlining it all. The last time we had a Doctorate introduction episode, the 11th hour, I gave it 4.5. This falls just short of that for me. I'm giving it 4.4.
0: Wow, only
1: just short. <laughs> next up.
0: I'll go next. <laughs> this is, on the whole, a very good episode. And we haven't mentioned that when Capaldi was introduced to primetime BBC viewership by Zoe Ball, he was presented as the ultimate doctor who fan finally getting to fulfill his lifelong dream he wrote into was it the doctor who magazine yeah in the 70s when he was a child he's probably channeling not just hartnell but every single doctor who's gone before him to some extent in this episode so He's great, I can't fault him. The episode is of serious quality, and it does its best to operate on a number of levels. It caters to several audiences at once in a way we rarely see. Is that to its credit? Should it be less obviously, or less audibly doing so? Or is it nice to have highbrow philosophical topics sitting side by side with Scooby-Doo sound effects? Or Jenny applauding Clara's outburst, which is really silly. Looking at it charitably, it's really bold. Where once we might have attributed such an apparent blunder to quarrels in the editing suite, I think this is Moffat throwing off any past vestige of moderation and saying, you know what, I'm now running two massive hit shows, BBC, this and Sherlock. I'm calling all the shots. I'm going to go as dark as I believe children can take it. I'm not cutting a single tepid joke. I'm inflating my episode's running time by half an hour. In a way, this is Moffat's Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix and it allows for multiple themes to run with plenty of room. But it's not my favourite episode. I get that you need something short of a seminal storyline to make space for a time and space for a Doc's introduction, but it's a disappointment to get a retread of what Jeff Waddle would call one of Moffat's five or six ideas. When you get the same robots, but with a new Doctor and a new environment, okay, the story might sweep the floor, but it's not original. While I enjoyed it throughout... I rarely laughed aloud. Next time, make one that doesn't roll, was maybe my favourite line. Where do Kung Fu Vastra and Jenny come from? Ceiling. The ceiling, exactly. And then later on we see the restaurant floor and it's completely unchanged. How did they get up there when? Danganabas. <laughs>
2: oh, <laughs> And were
0: well, they just wrapped up there for 10 minutes being like, okay, Clara's passed the test. Okay, the doctor's ripped his mask off. Now we've got to wait for the word. Bloody hell. I mean, perhaps they just spent the whole time snogging. And <laughs> that was cut. <laughs> <laughs> and this being the end of the part Anoster's still greats just as we're getting finally to know them they're gone moffat might have spent three years with them rattling around in his head but dude we're not mind readers still it's beautifully appointed it sets up the series well i'm going to give it a technically competent 3.7 which is also what i gave capaldi's first episode
1: oh
0: very nice Or should I say his first, first episode?
2: I had a feeling uh, you were going to be hypercritical, Drew, which is why I wanted you to go before me so that we can end (laughs) this podcast on a high. (laughs) 37's still quite high. So I I loved this episode. I think the first time I watched it, I don't remember being as blown away by it, but I think every time I re-watch it, you get more and more out of it. And I think especially the acting, especially from Capaldi, is phenomenal. And yes, there are plot holes in the storyline. Yes, there's a lot going on. Like the dinosaur, when you bring a dinosaur into London, I expected it to be a dinosaur-themed episode, and then it just poof disappears, and now there's a new villain. And there's, there's a lot to take in. It's a very long episode, but it never feels long. And there are just so many standout scenes. So the scene with the Doctor and the tramp and the you know the face the all the talking who found me this face? these eyebrows are independently crossed like there are so many great <laughs> lines this the furious mirror the planet of the pudding brains i need new clothes and a big long scarf that was a nice reference oh it was yeah yeah yeah. attack eyebrows that like there's so much it's just full of really really nice imagery and yeah that scene in particular is beautiful the finale scene with the cyborg, I really enjoyed. For the, uh, again, similar, the, there's a lot of the playing on the face, the two face when wearing someone else's face, which for Capaldi is true as well. We haven't mentioned when he first appeared. The Roman one, oh yes, one. yeah, okay, Caius. Yeah, so he literally has seen. He wasted. Where have I seen this face before? It's because you know it's a reference back to that as well. There's a lot going on there. The Clara, I told you, we know I have had issues with how Clara was portrayed in this episode, but I think she saves it in the scene that she steals which is the holding the breath and the face off with the cyborg and i think she's phenomenal as well and then of course missy 10 out of 10 for missy i can't fault that scene at all that kind of just sets it up on a whole new trajectory so there are very few episodes that have this many really like standout moments where the acting is beautiful the writing is beautiful the direction is beautiful the like everything is shot really nicely they're just yeah. So I'm willing to sort of hand wave a bit of the plot <laughs> for what I think is a really, really nice introduction. I love seeing Capaldi confused and scared and vulnerable and alone and feeling so alone I'm feeling like every time he walks away on Clara, my heart breaks for her. But equally, he feels abandoned too like she's looking at him like he's a stranger and that must be so hard and i think he portrays that really well so yeah i'm gonna position myself somewhere in the middle of you two and i think my from from word go i had a 4.2 in my head and uh nobody's managed to talk me up or down so i'm sticking with my guns 4.2 whoop whoop. Yeah. marvelous
0: you know i agree with all of that and i had at the beginning of the episode a range of 3.7 to 4.2 and it was your problems with clara oh no
2: you're <laughs> That made me confident to bring it down a bit. Wait, wait, wait. I had one last... So this was the other scene I haven't mentioned. The Vastra is talking to Clara when she... You know, the veil scene, which we all kind of dismissed. But she does... She talks about why he chooses this young face and you know is this 2000 year old man but he looks like a boy. I think it's really interesting she says like he chooses it, to, the same reason I wear my veil, he chooses it to be accepted and it is this idea that in the 60s to be revered you, we we valued experience and so the older Doctor was portraying someone that you could look up to and respect and, and trust and as time's gone on we've lost that, we don't value experience, we value youth and so he's kind of gone with the, the trend of society and so to bring Capaldi back and say sod it we've done youth let's go back to someone old who can bring some gravitas to the role and is as old as Hartnell was but you know has a lot more sort of life in him and dynamism yeah exactly it's showing that you don't have to be one or the other you can be old and experienced and but and still have that and anyway i'm very i'm very incredibly excited you look so excited right now Capaldi's <laughs> run. i can't wait to see what happens next yeah marie has been beaming for most of this evening <laughs> <laughs> and now i think 4.2 is very low i'm so sorry i'm just i'm sticking with it but anyway (laughs) on another day it could have been higher
0: yeah and you're right again there's (sighs) it's metatextual and at times his dialogue approaches literature standards it Mm. it is
2: really good it's a very well yeah it's a well-written episode Mm. it's not too late drew if you want to join us in the fours (laughs) no
0: should we see what podcast land has to say let's do
2: that
1: listener minis. Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max to fifty, or it would get out of hand.
2: And our first review comes from Star Wars Seal, Star Wars Seal, Star Wars Seal. Hello, Star Wars Hill. Hi, Star Wars Hill. Hi, Star Wars, Hi, Star Wars And Star Wars Hill begins now. This was a dinosaur episode. I enjoyed. I found Capaldi's performance wonderful, and Strax was his usual
0: delightful self. It's hair. No, I think it's a hat. Would you like me to check? <laughs> <laughs>
1: We've also been gifted with another episode of Clara in 1800's finery, and Missy, MISSY! Not only are we to the point in Doctor Who where I get to watch my favourite companion Clara, my favourite Who villain
2: Missy is here to join the party too! And Star Wars Hill gives us a incredible score of (laughs) 4.2 out of 5 steampunk droids either pushed or jumping out of skin blimps. It's unclear. Missy thinks he pushed them. Yeah, good call. The little look to camera as well kind of suggests that he pushed. Yeah. Oh, the breaking of the fourth yeah. wall? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks so much, Star Wars Sill. Podcast Land, are you asking yourselves, how can I follow Star Wars Sill on Twitter? Fret not, we are here to deliver the answer. You can follow Star Wars Sill at Star Wars Sill. Bing bong, future Leon here with one more listener mini. This one comes from Phoenix Phil Morley. Hello, Phil. Phoenix Phil starts, I won't bury the lead. I think Deep Breath is a right old bag of mixed nuts, and unfortunately most of them are rotten. Ooh, Moff's attempts at trying to write a darker, edgier doctor all faceplant hard onto a hard concrete pavement of lazy cliches, while the lighter stuff simply falls flat. Capaldi gamely tries to turn this messy script into something that works, but it often proves too much, even for an actor of his talents. Most notably, during the slapstick and physical stuff where comparisons to Matt Smith's greater ability at that sort of thing can't be avoided. Speaking of which, while it was lovely to see him, the phone call from the 11th Doctor does Capaldi a great disservice, and only seems to reinforce any reservations about the recasting. Clara and Strax were great fun, but they alone can't raise this one above a 1.4 for me. Holy moly, wow, Phoenixville, you, you got some pretty good points, but I can't fault you for that. I see where you're coming from. As always, I love polarizing reviews of these episodes, so thank you so much for sending that in. But although, well, you just heard our review. I think 1.4 is maybe, bit lower than I would have given it. Uh, in fact, lower than I did give it. <laughs> anyway, Phoenixville Morley, thank you very much for sending that in. Okie dokie, back to the show. Bing bong. Right... What have we got coming up next? First, we're jumping into Classic Who territory with... Jim! <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you and Jim will be reviewing The Invisible Enemy. Mundo? Mm-hmm. Which
1: is not a space chicken, am I right? It's not a space chicken. Well, as far as I'm aware...
2: Interesting. How do you know if it's invisible?
1: Oh, okay, I'm, I've am i got a bigger piece of... I might tell you afterwards. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> After which, we're going to jump back into uh, uh, Capaldi country with a new review, namely of...
2: Into the Dalek.
1: Holy smoker, Rudy's and cheesecakes. Journey to the center of the Dalek.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Holy McClunky.
1: <laughs> Super looking forward to that. mm In the meantime, you can say hello to us online. Uh, Marie, you are not on Twitter.
2: No, I'm not, but uh, you can catch me on Instagram. Oh, yes. What's your... How can we... Yes? (laughs) Oh, my
1: goodness. (laughs) I am absolutely flabbergasted over here. This is incredible. Just to
2: mix things up a bit. It's ham, mash, and jelly. Ham, mash, and jelly. All in one
1: word? All in one word. Fantastic. You heard it here first, Boggs. That
0: reminds me of nothing so much as that trifle in Friends. (laughs) <laughs> where the recipe pages are stuck together. <laughs>
1: Drew, are you on
0: Instagram? <laughs> I am not, but I am on Twitter. Build
1: a house out of my tweety bricks. I'm at Drew Backwen. Excellent branding. I am at Ponken on Twitter. Not so excellent branding.
0: P O N K E N Ponken. 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 <laughs>
1: wow
2: um, thanks marie <laughs> you're welcome drew i i had a note actually about your um the b008 uh-huh. where was the doc past
1: yeah this was pre-dog passed. who uh, wh- it was nick
2: <laughs> oh, it no. was not nick was it not nick it
1: was not nick like, it was a joke thought of by my buddy rico
0: that's Thanks, right. Rico. It, it wasn't Nick, <laughs> but Nick was the first to take exception to it. And then I, and sort I don't know of... why.
1: And then there are episodes that I've listened back to recently where he absolutely pushes the doc past.
0: Yeah, but when I joined, he was in a hating it phase. And then I just carried that on, and it's not even me. So I'm like half Nick broom. Uh, wearing Nick's face, I'm going to regenerate. I, I'm fed <laughs> up of trying to think of reasons to hate Doc it's Past. So Let's
2: good. Go it's with so it. applicable. Do you know, sometimes I really like Doc Past. It's so applicable. It is. It is, you know. No, no
1: other podcast has it. <laughs> no. It's just us, <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> as far as I'm aware. I'm just saying it from now on. Oh. Oh. The feud is over.
2: Let's embrace stock Past. Yeah.
1: I have never been so happy and aroused and, I don't know, relieved <laughs> at the same time. This is incredible. <laughs> right, until the next time. <laughs> on that note, you've been a lovely audience. Thank you so much for listening. Rock on and cha-chao. Bye-bye. Ta-da. And lastly, give us a rating and
0: review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points.
1: That's it, rock on and be rad and excellent to each other.
0: Catch your earbulls in our next Who Review or bonus episode. Until then,
1: Chao Ciao! Who
0: when?